All right. So here we are Sunday. Time for episode number three of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. Just got back from Lucerne Valley. Was up there for the day for the National Heron Hound uh, race that was up there, or Heron Hound, or whatever you want to call it, uh, for District 37 and the 100s Motorcycle Club organizing that event. So pretty cool stuff. And so the topic on this podcast uh, was something that I was very excited to see is the hooligan class. So big bikes. Should we be racing big bikes in the desert? And what I mean by big bikes, I mean like not the 650. The 650, we know the XR650 are as the, the king of the desert, right? CRF450s, those are the new ones. But the XR is really the like... If you think about Baja, it was like the XR650. That was the bike uh, to run. So, we'll see. Stay tuned. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, racing big bikes out in the desert. All right. So, racing big bikes in the desert. So, I had a chance to go up today to Lucerne Valley. Uh, Gnarly Dave Manriquez, uh, one of the... Uh, pit captains for the JCR Johnny Campbell Racing crew. I don't know if you guys may be familiar with them. Um, I got a chance to meet uh, Johnny Campbell himself today. Uh, his son Preston uh, racing, and uh, really really cool. It's kind of a different thing, you know. I grew up in Baja. Um, you know, I know they raced. I think Johnny Campbell maybe won one or two races down there, maybe a championship. I don't know sarcastically he said um so anyway so it was really really cool hanging out with them for the day and just kind of checking out the operation and and it's uh it's it's pretty neat everything's really organized and everybody's super humble and you know we're just another team here and it was really really awesome to see that you know i look forward to uh hanging out with them hopefully in the future uh at another race but that was super cool and i really appreciate the invite uh for heading up there but uh, so there was that. Um, and then the other thing that I was excited about was a chance to see some big bikes race in the desert. Now, big bikes typically XR650, right? That was the bike in Baja that everybody was, you know, that's, that's the Baja bike. That's the king of Baja. I mean, the, the CRF450s have been around for a while now, um, and that's kind of the go-to bike now. But there's still, you go to any of the Baja races and you're going to see XR650 still lining up because that bike has just been proven. The recipe is out there. You know, Johnny Campbell, Bruce Ogilvy, and all those guys, all of them developed that bike into what it is. And that I just, I don't ever think that it will never be or be demoted from that role of being, you know, the, the king down there. So, but. 650. I know that uh, there was a 700 iteration of that, but I don't know that it ever actually hit a race. Um, I know that um, I believe it was Chris Birch. I should probably have looked this up before I started recording this, but they were on a 950 Super Enduro, if I don't, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, this was years, years back. So now, you know, fast forward, I mean, nobody's really raced that big bikes but with the introduction of that middleweight adventure class right now you've got the Tenere 700 the KTM 790 uh, that are right square in the middle there Um, I don't think there's a third yet 
that really is designed around what they've done really, which is upgrading a dirt bike to have a bigger twin cylinder motor in it. So they're, they're kind of the class right now. Um, and the hooligan class is open to whatever. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure there's some triumphs there, some Harleys and stuff like that, but you know, obviously they're not going to compete with bikes that are race bred, uh, like those two. Sadly, I didn't get to see a Tenere. I don't know that anybody is doing like things like what, um, Chris over at Rottweiler is doing where they're developing a race bike out of these things, you know, and actually fine tuning and tweaking. You've got Cody Quinn out there. Um, but he's factory KTM. So, you know, they're going to test a certain amount of things, um, at a factory level. But I think that Chris with Rottweiler is kind of going after the, the details and, and fine tuning and really turning this into a race bike. It's like, okay, you've got no holes bars. You can do whatever you want. He's got this huge machine shop. So it's like, you know, it's Disneyland for machinists. So he could do whatever he wants to these bikes to make them work better. So then it poses a question to me, at least and thinking, well, do these bikes really have a, a place in off-road racing? Do they have, uh, something, you know, a home and considering there's really only two bikes right now on the market, I'm sure there's going to be more and more people going after it. Um, but you know, like, from the Baja Rally experience, like also um, some of the other organizations like Scorn and all that, like at what point do they maybe consider them being a safety thing? You know, is, is, is there really a safety consideration with these bikes? Is there, um, you know, usually they are a little bit more limited where, you know, a 450 is going to have really close to 12 inches plus. Um, you know, the I believe... Um, Rottweiler, the their rally bike is sitting right at like ten and a half, ten and three quarters. Um, you know the argument can be made. You know a dialed in setting on suspensions is a dialed in setting. It'll just do what you know. That extra two inches isn't going to save you if the setup isn't just perfect. You know so, and a heavier bike and stuff like that. But my you know my kind of thing, and, and we've talked about this at at Baja Rally is that. With big adventure bikes, um, I mean, it really is. You're talking about three cracks of the throttle. I mean, you just run this thing up to redline three times. You're in third now and top of third. And you're scratching. You're really, really starting to scratch triple digits. I mean, you can get this thing moving really, really fast. And I'm not talking like, you know, yeah, of course, it'll out drag race a 450 any day. 450s have to work harder to get to that top gear, to that fifth gear. And then they've got to be pinned in that gear for a little bit to really get get out there. You know, get that 100 plus if they can if they can get it, if it's geared to even do that. You know, we learned in the past is sometimes, you know, the bikes aren't going to be geared to run a dry lake bed at over 100 because 99% of the race course is not a dry lake bed. So you have, you know, you... It's definitely a consideration. I know that years back uh, with the Dakar, um, that was one of the considerations. And, and, you know, they used to have, it was no holds barred. I mean, you had um, this guy, not a lot of people know him, uh, Jimmy Lewis. Um, He's raced like a race and somehow got famous. But anyway, no, just kidding. So he's got, you know, 
uh, aboard the BMWs, right? Back then, I believe it was either the 950 or 1150 in that in that era. So you had big bore bikes back then, but then it, the rules changed, you know, and, and manufacturers wanted an even playing field. And so they decided to go with 450 rally bikes. And that's been the thing. So now with this resurgence of big bore bikes or, or twins, you know, will we see that come back into car? Uh, Honda has the Africa twin. Um, they haven't. I've heard rumor, but I haven't seen anything enough to say like, oh, yeah, it's coming. Uh, that they've got the Honda, like a Honda 850 or 750 or somewhere an 800, you know, an Africa Twin 800 or something like that. Um, I don't see that happening, you know, yet. But you never know. I mean, it could just like turn around and boom, there it is. So racing the big bikes out in the desert, I think it can be done. Um, there's some safety considerations, I think. You know, um, it's kind of cool to see that... Uh, like on bomb starts like this time uh, around, uh, I believe Quinn Cody actually got a really good drop on the entire field. Now, the horsepower of a 790, uh, you know, just factory 790, plus the weight of the bike um, equals traction. So that horsepower doesn't go to waste. Uh, like it would on a 450. 450, you're going to be fighting for traction. You've got wheel spin. You're, you know, you're working it. Um, there's some things you can do starting in second, and then you know, I don't know all the other stuff. I don't race a 450, so I don't know all the, you know, all the hot secrets. But weight is key, and I've seen it. You know, we were at a local race uh, a few weeks back um, down in Rosarito area, and I think it's Cuervos, Cuervos Motocross. They it's an off road series, uh, local promoter. You know they're doing their thing, and and they've got you know they had a few entries, and one of the guys that was there, um, by name now we're friends on Facebook, but uh, Brian Whipperman, and he was, um, I, you know I joke about this, but you know I would be in the same classes as like the Clydesdale class. He's a bigger guy, but seeing that, you know, and telling that that was a whole shot waiting to happen. And sure enough, green flag drops, and who's the first one to the corner? It's him. Why? I, you know, it's simple. I think that he can hang on to that thing, and that thing doesn't have enough power to lift off the ground, or that same power gets planted to the ground because of the weight. So it makes sense that a 790 in a bomb start would dominate. Or be a lot closer to because now you're talking about even fully lightened. I mean, what 420 pound bike versus 220, 250 pound bikes. You know, it's it's pretty crazy. So there's some safety to it. There's some you know definitely some considerations. Is it cool? Absolutely. I mean, those motors sound absolutely badass. You know, when they're full song and just letting them have. You know, you let them have it. So. Where do we race them? So if if I think that a lot of people, you know, are not going to sign up, even though there was a few 790s, which was actually kind of cool to see, but I only really saw um, Quinn Cody and Wes Van Neuenhaus on the Rottweiler uh, 790. But there was a few others that had ran or that ran it. Um, it's cool to see them out there, but, you know, it's like, okay, well, is that really the, the place that you want to race them? You know, I figure I have my 790. 
and you know I'm you know, gonna send the stuff up to or out to conflict to have them work on my suspension and that you know so I know that the suspension department's gonna be handled and it's gonna it's gonna work but if I had my choice, would I go and try and race one of those races? And I, I just don't see myself doing it because the the riding style is super, super aggressive. You know, it's it's literally pinned. I mean, you have to ride hard, and especially on a hair scramble. Um, I, I always heard of, but I never really knew how it worked. And at least the one that I saw today, um, you know, it's... 39 mile loop the first loop and the other one's like 42 or something like that so it's two loops that is a short race uh 70 miles i think i've heard colton udall say he's not warming up until he's like at 300 miles deep which is absolutely crazy um you know there's that another animal on a bike you know i mean he's absolutely fast and I mean, 75 miles is, is nothing, you know, in the grand scheme of things. When you look at like a Baja 500, when you look at um, the Baja 1000, you look at those races. I mean, 75 miles is, yeah, it's about one stretch for a rider. I think they try and break them up in about 50-mile sections. I, you know, I don't know the logistics of that. I've always planned more race car stuff than race bike. Um, but there's definitely a, a difference there. So I... You know, I, I go back and maybe I'm a little bit biased about it because I I work with the Baja Rally, um, but I feel like rally racing and things like the Enduro Comp class are more suited for bigger bikes. Uh, for the vast majority, I would say, uh, because you don't have to push as hard to be competitive. Um, and, and when it all comes down to a waypoint, you know, you can open or miss a waypoint or take longer finding a waypoint and the next guy's right there and picks it up. Like, you know, he knew where he was going. So it, it takes some of that pressure off to be absolutely fast a hundred percent of the time, you know, you have to navigate. So I, I, I think the way of looking at it is going to be, you know, checkers versus chess. You know, off-road racing, point-to-point, uh, stuff like the hair scrambles, stuff like the the Baja races and all that stuff. That's more like playing checkers. Yeah, there's pit strategy. Yeah, there's strategies to it. You know, rider changes and all of that stuff. There's some strategy in checkers. But chess involves a whole nother level. And with rally racing, I think that holds true. Do I open a waypoint? You know, not open a waypoint. Um, am I going to sit back? And sandbag a little bit uh, because I don't want to be the one opening the stage the next day. You know, there's there's other things at play, and it's not just pin it and see what happens. So I more for that type of racing on big bikes uh, than I am this kind of stuff. This stuff though is it cool? Yeah, hell yeah, I'll go watch. You know, it, it, quick story about today was uh, in the morning. You know, I walk over to the Rottweiler pit and. You know, Quinn Cody comes over and it's like, you know, I, I guess they didn't know one or another. Or I don't think that Cody knew Chris and the Rottweiler team were going to be there. Uh, but it was welcome competition. It was like, hell yeah, you know, that's all this stuff, which was cool because, you know, you got more people uh, racing the same class. And then as they're they're talking, you know, Wes is gearing up and he gets on. And, and I met Wes at Baja Rally a couple years ago and... 
Um, the guy's an animal. One, I don't know if he knows how to ride a bike with the front wheel on the ground. I've still yet to see that. Um, but the other one is is that, uh, I, and I'm not going to forget it because these kind of things are the stuff that that you know you get to see a person. So they had uh, some kind of mechanical finishing the first stage of the rally uh, that year, and he was running a 950 Super, Super Enduro and. 990 one of the two and in the wash got stranded 100 yards before the finish in a sand wash he pushed that bike to the finish because the rule is you had to finish under power and he was not going to take a dnf just straight up was not going to take a dnf he came in blowing bubbles you know we had uh some water there for him we sat him down and all that stuff but right then and there is like this guy's a badass. He, you know, that it, it takes a lot. And, and I don't know if you guys know about pushing a bike that heavy in the sand. It just is not the business. But he did it. And so that, you know, that said a lot. But anyway, so we're sitting in the pits doing all that stuff. So he goes and, and kind of pre-runs the star, takes a look around. Or, you know, he went to go do something. He was on the bike. And he comes back and... Uh, right away, Alex from Conflux jumps in and he's talking, okay, hey, what, you know, what is it? You know, the back feels this, this, you know, he, all right, well, let's do this. And the front feels like it's a little bit stiff or, you know, I forget the exact, like it packing, chattery, you know, that kind of thing. And I mean, without skipping a beat, you know, Alex runs, you know, grabs the tools, goes, all right, we need to put the bike on the ground. They lay this thing over, um, you know, does a couple clicks. He's not working on this bike for more than three minutes tops puts it on and, and it's funny because he goes, all right, well, why don't you go take it for a blast, you know, and, and see what it feels like. I don't think Alex was done pronouncing the T and blast and Wes already had his goggles on. So he was, you know, up for it. So jumps on the thing, good warms it up, turns around and then picks this straight. And I missed it. Cause I, 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 I didn't know where he was going to go, but I wish I would have recorded it. And he just absolutely rings this thing's neck up this hill through these whoops. I mean, just absolutely no mercy. And there was a couple other people that did it. Nowhere near as... Like, it's not even... Like, it's a... Dana, you, people would have said that the video was sped up. It was, like, that fast. Um, it was absolutely awesome. And then, of course, the engine and all of that. I mean, it's just... It's so awesome to see these bikes and how fast physically they are. I mean, they're just brute gnarly power just i don't know how they hold on to them um i it's probably you know obviously it's all riding technique i struggle you know and i'm not cracking the throttle like these guys are doing um but it definitely was really impressive to see that and then he comes back and he goes you know alex what do you think he's all it's perfect okay so that spoke a lot also to alex from conflicts knowledge and he was all right well we just need to do this and there it was, and it made a big difference in the way the bike was handling. Now the bike was running lighter than normal because it didn't have the rally stuff on it. They made it look like a super enduro for this one, um, but it was, you know, it was really, really cool to see. And it spoke, you know, like I said, it spoke highly of Alex. Like that's those are the people that you want in your corner. If you've got Chris from Rawweiler that's developing all of these products and really looking after the bike and really super detail oriented, and then you've got Alex from Conflict, the same thing. They know suspension in and out, and he's got you know, this thing dialed in for him and then more so knows what to do when it's not dialed. 
um, that it's that's huge. So they they ran. I don't know how how it works, but they came in. Quinn had just gone out for his other lap, and Wes was a few minutes back. Came through. They waved him out, um, and then I never saw Quinn again uh, until the podium picks. So I don't know how all of that works. I'm new to that hare and hound thing. I just I I never really bothered because it really wasn't my cup of tea. Um, but it was you know it's pretty cool to see. But you know. Wes coming from the Sonora Rally and placing so high up in the Sonora Rally on a big adventure bike like that, a big rally bike, um, you know, I feel like that's in a field of 450s and 500s. And, you know, I don't think they had any 690s, but still, it's impressive to see these things out there. And I think that the rally racing side of it caters to them a little bit more um, just because. It's not wide open pin the whole way. So that gives the opportunity for even the box stock Tenere 700 to have a fighting chance at one of these events. Yeah, granted, you know, a dialed suspension and all of that package is going to make a difference. But at the same time, could you run it stock? Well, you stand a better chance than if you were running an open desert race with a stock bike. So I think that that is the kind of the future like i feel like we're going to start seeing more rally bikes or more big bore you know big adventure bikes in in rally racing and races like that like we do the other one with baja rally is they do this class called enduro comp where it's basically you're following an arrow the entire time so there's markers placed at the corners you know virtually so the rally comp will point at that marker constantly so you don't have to know how to read a road book and you don't have to go through all of these navigation courses and all that stuff. You simply just follow the arrow. So now with not knowing that you still have to navigate a little bit, right? You're going to get within range of this arrow. You're going to start seeing that it's turning. You need to figure out, you still need to get it on the waypoint. Like it's not like it's just a gimme like, oh, turn here. You know, it's not Siri telling you to turn left um, that oh, I'd love to see that in Baja. But anyway, um, I think that it we're going to see more adventure bikes delving into that. And then I think that we're also going to start seeing them as rally bikes. And I think there's people that want to get into roadbook navigation and, you know, they've got this big bike and, and it'll do it. You know, uh, typically the roads in rally racing are a little more forgiving. They're not going to be these rough whooped out, you know, through these deep sand wash canyons and stuff like that. And you the rally Baja rallies ran in San Felipe in that area. And so I'm going to say you get a free pass on sand, but it's not the majority of it, you know, or it's not as, as bad, you know, some of the other stuff you run a virgin wash. It's pretty easy. If you run a rutted out, chopped out, clapped out, rock hidden, you know, thing, then that's a whole nother ball game, especially on a big bike. So I, I, you know, I think racing big bikes, Right, the original topic: racing big adventure bikes in off-road. I think it could be done. Um, it just depends on what level you really want to do it at and what you want to go for. Um, if you want to go out for a ride and just do that kind of stuff, then cool. But you know, you want to be competitive in in races like hair scrambles and races like Baja and things like that. You're gonna have to go fast. Um, I mean, the bike to do it on because, like I said, you know, three cracks of the throttle and you're scratching at 100. 
You know, that's that's pretty impressive. And you'll do that in less than a baseball field where or a football field where, you know, some of the other bikes, the four fifties and all that stuff is gonna take like two football fields to get up above a hundred, you know, I don't know. Something like that. So I th- I see it happening. You know, I think it's coming. I've seen some pretty impressive videos of a of a uh, Tenere seven hundred getting thrown around through the rocks and in some of this whooped out kind of stuff and and it'll do it. Um but again, where, when is that going to happen? You know, are they going to start signing up? You know, I'd be interesting to see if that's something that in the future plans for Rottweiler uh, for them to do. Um, or you've got uh, Matt Sutherland uh, from North in Canada. He's also on a 790. Um, you know, I don't know. Will we see him maybe enter his bike? I teased about it like, oh, a Tenere 700. And he was like, yeah, I'm in. But, you know, well, I don't have a Tenere 700, um, you know, and definitely my bike won't do it. He's got the pro components on his, so he should do it on his bike. Uh, And maybe him and Wes can team up. That'd be pretty cool. But I think that overall there's going to be that that home for it, prepping the bike, doing all that kind of stuff, and then getting the right people in your corner. And, and going to people that know about what you're trying to achieve with the bike and that have the components to allow you to achieve that uh, with it. And so that's, that's going to be huge, especially because it's such a new market. The 790 is really new and a lot of people are making parts for it, but are they the right parts and are they the things that are actually going to make it go fast and are going to make it reliable and are going to make it easy to ride? You know, you have to hide the weight of these bikes and when they're moving it's not hard to hide it it's when they're slowing down and when they're getting really slow and crawly and technical stuff that's where the weight comes through so what are you going to do to help hide that and 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 trim the fat and get rid of things that you don't need you know that that's going to be huge i tried this weekend i finally got a set of wheels um for my 790 uh from w so I was like, oh, yeah, no problem. We'll just throw it up on the stand. Uh, wrong. Let me tell you about trying to muscle a 450-pound bike up onto a motocross stand. Uh, it just does not work as I hold my shoulder because I think I, you know, kind of stretched it a little bit. You know, it is one of those things that you have to watch out for is, is the weight. Um, but I'm super stoked on the wheels, by the way. I mean, uh, W did an awesome job. They've done the wheels for my, they did wheels for me on my F 800 GS adventure. Uh, those came out really well. That was an awesome combination. I actually went with an 18 inch rear on it, which normally they just do 17s. That's the stock size. Uh, but if you've got an F 800 GS, uh, or F 800 GSA, I highly recommend that 18 inch wheel. Uh, it actually smoothens out the road a little bit. And then I feel like in the sand, the traction is actually better. Uh, you know, low, uh, ski wise, you know, that longer, that longer contact patch, not just wide, but it's also longer. So I think that helps a little bit more in the traction department in the sand, but anyway, so I would never do what these guys are doing on an F 800 GS. I just, I maybe on the 800 GS, definitely not on the GSA. Um, but just there's not the components, there's not the research, there's not the R&D. You don't have companies like Rottweiler developing stuff, you know, for these bikes to make them faster, at least that bike. Um, 
they're more focused on the bikes that are already kind of bred for that kind of racing and for that kind of activity. So it makes perfect sense to them, you know, or for them to stick in, in that realm. So, but that, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the future of racing big bikes. I think that that's going to happen. Adventure bike racing is going to turn into more of a thing. And I believe there's going to be more people exploring different routes because I think a lot of the people that buy these bikes aren't necessarily ready to go sign up for a, you know, pin it to win it type situation. You know, I feel like a lot of people are going to be more into the uh, playing chess, not checkers, you know, and, and actually navigating and having to do stuff. And these bikes, that's the other thing is generally they're easier to ride longer distances, even though they're heavier. So long distances are typically associated with rally races or they're associated with races like the Baja 1000. But I've been through Baja 1000 courses and I don't want to take my bike into these silt beds that are miles long and, and all these gnarly ruts. If you don't believe me or want to know more about it, there's this movie called Dust to Glory. And you can check it out and you'll see video of, you know, the Honda team going through these silt beds and stuff. And you're just like, no, I would never do that on a bike that heavy. Um, it just absolutely would be terrifying. So granted, that's not all of the course. And I mean, there'd be some sections where you just absolutely let the thing rip. And I mean, it would be a lot of fun, but still, you, know, you still got all of those bad sections that you got to do, but I think uh, I think it's coming. I really do think it's coming. Uh, if you haven't already, um, check out Instagram at uh, chasingwaypoints underscore official. Uh, I'm actually going to post some pictures that I took of the bikes and a couple other pictures from this uh, race today or from this hare and hound or a hare scrambler or whatever you want to call it. Um, so you guys can check that out and kind of see, comment on them, um, and some of the stuff that they're doing, uh, to these bikes and then just kind of floating around. But, uh, I, I'm excited. I'm absolutely excited. And then I'm excited to see what, uh, what kind of turnout we get at Baja rally, uh, with this whole COVID thing, it really shot us down. Um, like it did a lot of people and like it did a lot of racing organizations and a lot of events and stuff like that. You know, we, um, we, it was no exception for us. Um, it will be really interesting because I, I know there was already before this thing happened, we had people signed up already and there were seven nineties and seven hundreds. So that class is, is coming. And now that, uh, Baja rally is doing a three race series, uh, or three rally series, more people. And then not only that, um, the, the idea, um, came up of doing a rally school tied in with the actual event. So you have the full support, you've got a unique experience, you've got a full experience of what it is to be at a rally rate event. And at the same time, you're, you've completed your training, you are being coached, um, and you are participating on live stages, you know, and so it's kind of like a bit of baptism by fire, but with a holding hand, you know, or a helping hand. So I think it's a really, really good idea. I know we've already got a few people signed up for that as well. Um, so I am absolutely looking forward to it. Uh, the every year, the, the year that wins or every year, the stage that wins has always been Catavina. Um, 
you know, Scotty Roman, the guy that writes the road books for, uh, the event. And he's the, the father of Baja rally, um, really knows that area, you know, spends, spends some time down there, knows and finds different routes and stuff like that to do down there. And so it really leads to an impressive ride. Everybody that comes back, you know, it's like, I, you, I don't even have to ask anymore when they get to the finish line. I love to ask how the stage went and how people's rides went and all of that stuff. But the answer in Catavina is awesome. It's always the same. So everybody loves it. The food's good. The hotel's great. I mean, it's uh, it's one of my destinations, even though there isn't a rally going on. We just go hang out down there. So, you know, if you guys are listening, and I've got uh, looking at the analytics the other day, and I've got people now worldwide listening, which is quite impressive. So if you guys are on another continent and want to check some cool stuff out and are considering maybe coming to Baja, um, rally racing is new here. Uh, versus most of the continents that I've seen that are, are tuning in. Um, but if you're interested in doing something like that, check out BajaRallyMoto.com. Um, there's there's some information there on the series. Um, you link up with other people, that kind of stuff, or you can look up on social media at Baja Rally and, and just kind of get... Uh, get your feet wet and kind of figure it out. And if you want to come take a vacation in Baja and do some riding and stuff like that, you know, there's resources, there's all sorts of stuff that can be, uh, that can be had through the forums and through the groups and all that stuff. But if you haven't been, uh, it's gotta be on the bucket list as it is for many people. Uh, you gotta make it happen. And so, uh, plenty of big bike friendly stuff. So if you do decide to bring your bike over or ride across or, you know, whatever you're doing, whatever your adventure is, um, you know, have at it. So there's plenty for you to do down here. Um, so, yeah, I think that is going to be it for today. I, again, I'm not sure how long this episode is because it's telling me in bars and not in time. So I will leave it at that. So big bike racing in the end, all said and done. Yes, please. Let's see some more of it. Um, but uh, I definitely want to see some more of it in the rally side of things because I feel like that is going to be a better uh, suited environment for bigger bikes like that um, to be in. Or, you know, hell, if you want to go into that pin it to win it stuff, do it. Uh, but know that there's other kinds of racing out there and that might be a little bit more fun for you on a bigger bike. So anyway, so that is all. So don't forget to like, share, follow, whatever, all of that fun stuff. And if you've got uh, any questions, concerns, comments, complaints, whatever it may be, uh, feel free to send them nowhere or send them to or find me on social media. Uh, Chasing Waypoints on Facebook, uh, YouTube, and then Chasing Waypoints underscore official on Instagram. So we'll be back next Sunday uh, with a brand new topic. Uh, I think we're going to start talking about... Uh, picking the right bike. I had a great conversation today with uh, Gnarly Dave, Dave Manriquez, for about, you know, what are some of the things uh, looking at bikes and, and, you know, my question to him that initially opened up the conversation is, if you had to learn how to ride a bike today, what would be the first skill that you'd be like, I got to master this? So next week, we'll have more on that. Hope everybody stay safe. Ride, don't forget to zip tie your spokes and all that stuff. All the gear all the time. Don't be a dick. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, 
We will see you guys next Sunday.